This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. My name is Germ, this is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. Ben Garrison, thank you for joining me in the trenches. Thank you for having me. It is more than a pleasure. So you are the third cartoonist ever on my podcast. The first uh, being Scott Adams, the second being uh, Bob Moran from the UK, and now you. Three great cartoonists. Uh, well, I, I'm glad to have that kind of company, although Scott Adams sure doesn't like me. He, kicked, he uh, banned me from his uh, Twitter feed. Well, I came down on him pretty hard when he was uh, promoting the vaccines, and uh, yeah. I, I did a, I did a, I don't know if you've seen it, but I did a cartoon featuring him as Clot Adams. I did see and that. He was, yeah, yeah, and <laughs> I had a lot of fun with that. He actually saw it and thought it was well done, but he wouldn't mention me by name, of course, you know. I, but Bob Moran, yeah, I, I'm familiar with him too. But um, um, I, is that the guy who just got canned? Yes, yeah. from from the Telegraph. Yeah, well, I could. The only thing I could say to him is, "Welcome to the party, pal." If you want to be a cartoonist nowadays, and you still want to have your own voice, you almost have to do it yourself and be independent on the internet. And you can't rely on, uh, you know, a steady paycheck or benefits. Mm -hmm. And uh, unlike the establishment cartoonist, uh, you know, they've they've got a really uh, a comfy setup you know they get uh, they get a regular paychecks and benefits and they they all chase the same prizes they all want the pulitzer prize so they could validate their lives i mean it's pretty sad mm. i mean can you imagine having to go through the rest of your life the pulitzer prize winning blah 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 i just that's embarrassing to me i would never ever submit any cartoons to the Pulitzer Prize Committee. I wouldn't have a chance anyway. I, you know, some people say I should do it just to bug them, but I'm, I'm not in this to, to win any prizes or accolades or fame or money, but you know, it turned out in a weird way that I got famous. I still don't, I don't make a lot of money, but I'm able to pay the bills and that makes me happy. So unlike Scott Adams, who's worth about I don't know, 70 million. I forgot what he's worth. He's worth many, many millions. I'm just a, I'm just a working man. I, you know, I don't worry about all these other things that he has to worry about. I don't have to worry about go getting some young, big breasted young lady as my, my new wife. I've, you know, I've been married for a million years. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, how is the information war treating you? Well, um, we get, you know, my wife is an integral part of this geographics enterprise and she does all the social media and, uh, we sort of have to walk a minefield, try not to get banned from everything. I tell her, well, to, to hell with Facebook, screw Facebook. I'm sick of Facebook. I don't even want to be on Facebook, but she still has a presence there and we get banned all the time. We got kicked off of Twitter when we had, gosh, we had nearly 300,000 followers and we, we were, we got kicked off of Twitter. Um, later on, supposedly they say we got kicked off because of my January 6th cartoon. But at the time we got kicked off, they just claimed we were spamming, which is, you know, hey, 
one man's free speech is another man's spam, I suppose. But getting kicked off of Twitter really hurt us because we didn't have as much reach. And we never did any YouTube, but, you know, we get blocked on Instagram. It's a matter of trying to get our cartoons out there because with our cartoons, we allow anybody to repost them for free. Uh, we tried to get in a syndicate, but they wanted nothing to do with us because, you know, there's a rumor out there that Ben Garrison is a Nazi and I don't want anything to do with him. So, you know, we have, due to all the trolling I went through for about, gosh, five years at least, my reputation got so damaged that nobody wants to have anything to do with me. So we relied on social media, but that's becoming, as I said, a minefield to try to get our cartoons out there. But we rely on just everyday people to repost our cartoons on um, uh, wherever they can. So uh, I see my cartoons pop up in unexpected places, and that makes me happy. So that's how we get the message out. And I'm hoping that when... Um, Musk, re, you know, when he comes in with his, you know, the new bosses with new brooms sweep clean, I hope he cleans out all the, 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 the censorious mindset that they have. And maybe we can get reinstituted on Twitter, too. I don't know. But you don't feel like Musk threatening to drain the swamp seems like the same theater all over again. I don't trust the man. I don't trust him at all with his, uh, you know, putting putting computer chips in people's brains. And, uh, you know, I don't I don't trust that whole shtick, but uh, we'll see. I've got to hold, you know, hold out some hope that he at least uh, allows conservative voices back on that platform. And it'll probably do a world of good for uh, his uh, advertising revenue there because right now only uh it's only populated by the far left and uh, you know a legion of bots so maybe he mm. maybe he will do it i don't know but i don't i don't I, I definitely don't trust musk at all and it's very suspicious how he ended up uh, amassing a fortune to begin with his the or if you look into his origins you know things seem to fall into his lap and be, maybe that's because he's associated with the with the same people who uh, go to uh, schwab's uh, young Demos. leader seminars you know and i just don't trust that whole shtick i just you know when i hear somebody who's attended one of uh, schwab's uh seminar or whatever it was where he's where he's uh, encouraging young leaders to do what he says well that's a bad sign so we'll see i you know I, I we can only do the best we can we got to I, I got to be thankful that my site itself is still available and up and working mm. and you know eventually the uh the uh, ruling elite and they get sick of me they could probably just make sure that my site gets shut down and my bank account gets canceled. I mean, who knows what they're going to do to just to shut me up. But right now, I guess they consider me to be small potatoes. I'm fringe. I'm a far right. I'm a alt right. I'm this lunatic. Nobody pays attention to Ben. And so that's probably why I'm getting a pass. But uh, to all your listeners out there, I'm not alt right. I'm just a I'm just a libertarian conservative. You know, what's what's this alt right? nonsense that they put on my wikipedia page i don't know it's just designed to make me look like a nut job that's all what's so crazy about wanting to preserve individual rights and the constitution uh, 
individualism over collectivism. Mm. That's what I'm about. But apparently now that's, uh, oh, you're a terrorist. According to Biden, I'm some, I'm some insurrectionist because I, you know, I want to see a decentralized government. Oh my gosh, you're an insurrection. It's the same thing that Lincoln did during the civil war. Anybody who disagreed with Lincoln got thrown in the, in the clink. He actually violated habeas corpus, and he was—he even went after the Supreme Court uh, justice. Was trying to threaten him. Lincoln was a Lincoln was a gigantic tyrant who uh, he did keep our union together, but at what cost? It well destroyed the republic. Really, if you think about it, the states are now part of the union by coercion, and so that's what. And he also killed had you know as a result of his keeping the union together he killed uh, 620 american citizens plus twice that maimed so lincoln really laid the foundation of what we see today of the big government the big centralized government lincoln was a railroad man and a lobbyist for the rare big railroads and the, and the big businesses in the in new england <clears throat> and he favored central banks he favored all that stuff and you know the Republican Party under under starting under Lincoln especially really favored big government and big government control. It was a Hamiltonian sort of an approach. Is that the strong central government? We're your king. You do as you're told. You pay your taxes, and you know that got started under Lincoln and the Republicans. The Democrats, especially under presidents such as Andrew Jackson, were for decentralization. Andrew Jackson spent two terms to get rid of the central banks. But the Democrat Party under um, Woodrow Wilson ended up with the same statism, the same strong central government. So now the Democrats and Republicans after Wilson were on the same page, and that's how it's been since the Federal Reserve and their their debt slave dollar. And so that's why I drew back in 2010, the March of Tyranny showing both parties. I drew one as a blue leg, one as a red leg, and they're just walking all over the voters. And the voter says, well, I'm gonna vote Democrat next time. Ow, well, I'm gonna vote Republican, ow. They're getting kicked, kicked down the road by, these, by this, what everybody likes to call the uniparty. So uh, that's what I, that's how I saw it when I first started drawing these cartoons again back in, well, I started drawing them in 2009 after a long, long hiatus because I started out drawing cartoons at newspapers down in Texas uh, way back in the early 80s. But anyway, that's what, that's what got me going to draw the cartoons is because I saw this uniparty uh, that's controlled really by the, the Federal Reserve, and the Federal Reserve is in turn controlled by uh, by tyrant bankers, trillionaires really, and they pull all the strings of all the politicians. It's all rigged, it's all corrupt. And when I woke up and I started going down that rabbit hole, I could not believe how much corruption I saw. I, mm. I didn't realize how bad it was, because you know we have this uh, we have this uh, drug like mantra of the mainstream media telling us what to think all the time, and it becomes. This is, yeah, we're still a democracy and actually we're a public, but they say democracy now. And you can still vote. Your vote still means something. You can, you still have a, a stake in America. You have a say. No, you don't. Not anymore. They stole all the elections. And now you can't even complain about the elections being stolen without being called an insurrectionist. And you see, I think it's over 900 people rotting in a, in a gulag, a Pelosi's Washington, D.C. prison 
without due process, just like under Lincoln, to get rid of their due process. For heaven, this is a time of war. Actually, you know, we're 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 in a war against these mega yeah. terrorists. And now I'm prattling on and ranting, but that's. <laughs> <laughs> By all means, please do rent. <laughs> But that's where we are now. Is uh, we have a we have a demented president who is really a mannequin, telling us that uh, half the country is evil and half the country needs yes. to be locked up. This is a very dangerous precedent. So uh, we might have a civil war too. And uh, you know, Ben, it, uh, I, I just want to interrupt you and say. America leads the way in so many things, right? And we down here on the African continent, we we don't have much going for us. If there's one thing that we can have going for us, please let it be a completely useless leader. Now you have to go and take that away from us also. <laughs> well, th this... <laughs> in a way, in a way, Hillary Clinton, at least you know she's evil but she's also she's not demented but when you have a demented you don't know what he's going to do and it's it's a kind of a this wrecking ball thing because he's aligned himself he does whatever the far left want with this green energy nonsense which is extremely destructive and it's it's just not tenable you can't just slip a switch and saying okay you're going to drive electric cars now no more gas no more you know internal combustion engines okay snap a finger but this is what government has become they've become so so uh, they think of themselves as the god that's why they hate christianity for in particular they don't want you worshiping the real god they want you worshiping them and doing as you're told we know better you do as I, as we say we're god we're snapping our fingers Made, waving our magic wand, reality will do our bending. We have reality thrown on its side and bent on its ear. We're going to have you, now you go buy a $70,000 electric car. It takes a couple days to recharge and the batteries, you know, we know all the problems with that. It doesn't work. But the government has gotten so insane that they think they're really going to just uh, mandate it because they got the authority. They could just mandate and tell reality how things are going to be. And they're going to tell you how you're going to be or else you're going to get, you know, swatted or have the, IR, you know, one of the new 87,000 IRS agents well-armed and training to shoot physical targets. You know, they're shooting human being targets. They're going to come after you and harass you. They're definitely going to come after people such as me, the MAGA people. You know, that's what this is designed for. That's why Biden wants this. 87,000 new IRAs, IRS agents who are essentially another arm of force, just like the FBI has become uh, the, the KGB of America and the CIA even worse. This is, this is a new layer of tyranny that's unfolding. And do you think they really care about our 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 civil liberties no 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 that's go that all that's going away you're going to be told what to do and you're going to be you're going to be poor you're going to eat the bugs and you're going to like it that's what that's our future until people start standing up and say no more and we have to start uh we just have to start participating in our own slavery because that's what's happening and that's it's all made possible by the federal reserve's debt dollar which is they have the world's reserve currency and they can print up as much of it as they want 
and you could suffer under inflation, but the world, the world's reserve currency gives them the power and the funding to make all this stuff happen. And until that debt dollar goes away, we're going to have to keep enduring it because they have all the money. You know, all the wealth has been concentrated up into the hands of relatively few people. I think um, the one-tenth of one percent controls half of the country's wealth. The one percent controls another 75, 80. So essentially, everybody, the middle class is going away here in America. The poor are getting poorer. You're seeing people living in tents even in Washington, D.C. now. They're just, they just set the tents up outside multi-million dollar condos there. So you're seeing a really uh, this uh, concentration of wealth going to the top and everybody else is going to be poor. And but those ben, people at the top, they are afraid of us. They know that, you know, it's almost uh, emperor has no clothes situation. Yes, but Ben, come on, you know, we've been told that you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. <laughs> Well, I don't own a lot, and I'm not very happy. I'm a really angry guy, as you could probably surmise right now. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about um, your cartoons. Uh, I mean, your work is fantastic. I I have seen a lot of it. Um, I think you're probably, I think you're probably the most unhinged cartoonist that I've seen come out of the United States. And I say that you as a compliment. You gotta be a little crazy to do what I do. Yeah. I mean, I and lost I, all my friends. Yeah. I lost all my liberal friends disowned me. And, uh, you know, I, you I used to get think ready to get a lot of flack. And I've gotten I've you know, I got I had a, a Andrew Anglin's troll army was was unleashed on me. Sure. And I got kicked out of the art gallery. I was in. I lost all my commercial. Uh, my commercial art business got crushed. Actually, I got. I got dragged kicking and screaming into this cartoon business. I didn't think you could make money doing editorial cartoons, and I, I didn't want to lose my business. Mm. So, you know, I had to pretend that, no, no, I am not a racist. I am not, I am not the Nazi. I am not this. I'm not that. And the more I did that, the just the worse it got until finally yeah, I, just hit, I hit a point where, you know what? I'm just going to draw that. these cartoons. Yeah. We're going to get them out there. I don't care what people think anymore. And eventually Correct. we were able to outshout the trolls, but that Cheers. didn't happen. And yeah, <laughs> that didn't happen until about five years later. But mm. uh, the point I'm trying to make here is that this is not, this is not something that most people would choose to do. It's because it's very difficult to have to deal with, with, uh, you know your friends and your family and my, my older brother is a bernie supporter and boy he just hates my cartoons and i can't really have a discussion with him with politics at all so it goes to friends and family and you got to be you got to be ready if you want to pursue the path of truth and tell the truth you have to jettison all that stuff you got to be ready to be an unpopular you got to be ready to be scorned and ridiculed and, and called all kinds of of uh you know, you got to be get ready to be slandered and, and defamed. You've got to see your mm. work get changed into these horrible things. They don't respect copyrights. So that's a that's a kind of a, a giant hurdle for a lot of cartoonists to really want to. They don't want to go down the path <coughs> I did. It's, it's been a convoluted path full of full of surprises. But it's also been uh, I've also had some pos a lot of positive things. A lot of you know, a lot of people love my cartoons, such as you and I do have, I do have supporters who help me out, and so as long as I could affect even just a tiny bit of change, even 
0.001 change, then it's worthwhile to me to be continue to be what they call an influencer. <laughs> well, let's go back a little bit into your biography. Um, for those who on this side of the pond don't know your biography, what is your background? Well, I have a BA degree in art from uh, Angelo State University, as in West Texas. I actually wearing my ASU cap, but um, I wanted to be a fine artist. That's what I studied for and trained for. But I also, with a BA degree, I I, I don't have a BFA degree. I also studied a lot of. Uh, I studied literature and poetry and history. I minored in history, so I I already had that kind of in the back of my mind. Uh, I was vaguely conservative, but I had no locked in political views when I was a young man. And maybe that's the way it should be. But I, um, I quickly learned I was not going to make money selling paintings. And I got a job at the local newspaper at the local newspaper there. I admired the craft of editorial cartooning, not my favorite cartoonist. Everybody's favorite cartoonists back then were McNally and uh, Oliphant. Now, Oliphant came from Australia to America. Yeah, he's and, he's quite well known. And I, yeah, he's gosh, he's in his late eighties now. But uh, I especially admired his craft and his brushwork. And I still, I sort of emulate a little bit of that today in mine. But um, my first my first editorial cartoons are really on Texas state politics. It didn't really go anywhere. It's Trying to get a job as an editorial cartoonist is like grabbing the brass ring or, you know, you get to win the lottery if you get that. And once a cartoonist gets a job such as that, he never leaves. Yeah. So I kind of gave up on that and concentrated on uh, newspaper work, which is uh, I did infographics and design. And then I went to the Seattle Post Intelligencer and did that for them until 1997 when I decided I'd start my own business and I did infographics for major corporations. I did quite well for a long time until I decided to shoot my own foot and start drawing editorial cartoons. And that's when everything fell apart. But I still remember um, being so angry. I had to do something when they bailed out the bailed out the corrupt bankers, the criminal bankers got bailed out and the taxpayers bailed them out. And the first thing they did with the money is give themselves bonuses. And so I had to do something. I was so angry. I said, I'm going to draw some protest cartoons. What's stopping me? No, you know, I don't have an editor. Nobody's going to stop me. Why, why aren't people drawing anti-Federal Reserve cartoons in particular? Well, I soon found out why. <laughs> I found out why because, oh, my gosh, if you do that, you're anti-Semitic. What has that got to do with it? You know, I'm talking about people who have they're, they're they got access to a printing press and can counterfeit as much money as they want, whereas I can't do anything. I can't do anything equivalent without getting arrested. So I started drawing. That's what got me going. And it's been, that was in 2009. And I'm still doing it today, you know. And I, the thing that really helped us turn it around was Donald Trump. Because even though I was talking about the Uniparty, Donald Trump was really more of a outsider. You know, he, he's, he's, he was... Um, kind of a Andrew Jackson like figured Andrew Jackson when he came got to be president was also elected more as a populist and he was actually the first democratic president Andrew Jackson 
And he, even then they had the some say had the beginnings of the deep state and he was reviled and hated. And editorial cartoonists drew anti Andrew Jackson cartoons. And and even his own party didn't like him and the other party despised him and um, and still he was able to accomplish a lot, a lot in his presidency. I see Trump as a similar. He was he was trying to to you know restore individual rights and give give some power back to the people, but he was thwarted at every turn. And and, and to his um, misfortune, he also appointed a great many people from the deep state. So of course, you know they're all going to be backstabbers. So he didn't get much done during his first term, but at least he woke everybody up and made, instead of the deep state swamp being a conspiracy theory, it became a conspiracy reality. And everybody knows it, it's real, as evidenced by the FBI going to Facebook and saying, you can't publish this, uh, you can't allow anybody to post about Hunter's laptop, because we're here to protect Joe Biden because the FBI has become this corrupt political tool, the Democrats, and they're going to, they get to decide who the president is, not the people. That's how corrupt it is. That's part of the deep state. And so Trump actually did a good thing by helping everybody realize that, yes, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's, it's real. And it's going to get worse if we don't do anything about it. And so my mm -hmm. job is just to try to help people become more aware that, yes, this exists. This is what happens. And I do it by means of satire. And satire is a very um, rich element that contain, con contains a lot of components. Not it's, you know, it's not just humor. It's irony and it's contrast. And it's it's pointing out it's pointing out things that uh, that most cartoonists don't do. Most establishment cartoonists just go up and just rubber stamp what the oligarchs want, delivered with a cheap gag or laugh, you know, and that's not what I'm after. I'm not out to, I'm not out to make a people. Do I sound funny to you? I'm not a funny guy. I am not I don't funny. Think, I, I don't think cartoonists what? are funny though, Ben. I think in order to be a political cartoonist or editorial cartoonist, you have to, you have to have a lot of anger. Oh, that's where that's what that's the source right there. It's anger. Mm. Whereas my fine art, my fine art springs from love. When I do a painting, it's a, I have a totally different mindset. I'm relaxed. I'm loving what I'm doing. When I do the cartoons, I'm mad, and I got to watch that because it's not good for my heart. But I, <laughs> I get because I can't go through life being mad all the time. You know, it's it's an, and, and then also combine. This that is why with I fear. drink. <laughs> well, I used to drink too, but I can't anymore, but I wish I could, but I, you know, those days are gone. I drank enough. I'm not thirsty anymore, I guess, but I just can't drink anymore. But, you know, I, I, if I had, if I had something, I like good, really, I like really good expensive red wines. I had, I, that's, that was my drink of choice, but you know, I can't afford them now anyway. I, you know, I got... I got, uh, what do they call that, aristocratic taste on a beer budget. <laughs> so, Regar regardless of that, I, I um, you know, I kind of, when you get older too, all these avenues of pleasure get shut down and you can't do that anymore. You can't do that anymore. No, that's not happening either. It's, but, but that's good too, because it also makes you concentrate on what you really want to do in life. Hmm. And this is something I've always wanted to do in life was be an editorial cartoonist. And I could see all the doors slamming when I was a young man. And I kind of was uh, 
thrown through the door and I crashed through it. I was really, I didn't open it myself. I was forced through it and I had, and then I was forced to do something that I always wanted to do. And here I am doing it. So I'm really lucky to be able to uh, make a living doing what I'm doing. It pays the bills. I'm not rich. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not somebody like such as Scott Adams, but I don't care about that anyway. I just like the fact that I'm, hey, I can do this. Nobody's stopping me. Not yet. Well, they're trying, some are trying to stop me, but so far I've been uh, able to do what I want to do in life. I've broken down all the resistance. I, I've always had a good work ethic, no matter what I did. And so now I'm applying myself with the, with the editorial cartoons and I'll do it until probably until I drop. So you, you're independently funded now. Yeah, I get, we get people buying, um, prints uh from all over the world people buy prints uh buy they buy my original cartoons and of course they buy uh buy our books uh, we got books to sell in our, our gurgraphics.com store and if it weren't for those people you know i wouldn't be able to do it i'd have to go get a mop job somewhere but mm. fortunately there are enough people out there who appreciate what i do that they're able to keep keep us afloat and keep doing it yeah so nobody's no I don't have any big, this is why also why I don't do local editorial cartoons. Mm. Why don't you do the local or state? Because your chances of getting sued are incrementally, exponentially higher when you do that, because a lot of these people are going to say, I'm not a public figure and I'm suing you because I don't like your cartoon. Yeah. And I don't, ha I can't afford a lawyer. So I don't do local cartoons. I just do the world and, and, and uh, national politics. Ben, take me through a day in the life. I'll get up. I'll have some coffee. I'll have a little breakfast. <clears throat> and then if it's nice out, which it is in the summer up here in Montana, we'll go outside in the backyard. we got a table set up. I go out there with my wife, Tina, and I bring a sketchbook. And we'll talk about what's the, what's the big news today. And we'll talk about the news. And I'll sketch out some ideas. And we'll we'll just bounce them off of each other, and I said, well, what about this? And up and and these ideas just come, boom, boom, one after another, until I come up with something. Yeah, well, this is going to be tomorrow's cartoon, and what I call them chicken scratches. They're just really super rough chicken scratches, just to encapsulate and and it gives me an idea: is this really tenable? And if it is, okay, this is what we're going to do. And then I will usually refine it as I go along. But what I do is I come back upstairs to my office <clears throat> and I'll do a, a really large rough sketch. And I draw large. I work on a very large, high quality illustration uh, paper, four ply, hot press. And why do I, I work much larger than many other cartoonists because I want to think big and I think of a big canvas and I might want to put a lot of stuff in there. So I, th I kind of want my ideas to be bigger than just drawing something small with, you know, I don't want to be a little watchmaker with a scritchy scratch crow quill pen point pen or something, you know, like some of them do. I want to, I'm thinking big and I use a pocket brush pen. Once I get the rough sketch on that board and I use just a, I use a mechanical pencil cause I hate pencil sharpeners. I will ink it in really quickly because I'm very fast and I, I'll link it in um, on, on that uh, illustration paper. And then I have to scan it in four parts on my scanner. Then I will color it on the 
color it on my computer using Photoshop. But here's my point about this is that a lot of people now, they just draw directly on the computer, but I want to maintain a certain degree of the old fashioned American cartooning style. And, and that's why I have a lot of labels. Now I get constant flack. You put too many labels on your cartoons. I say, well, that's a good thing. That's an American tradition. That's what makes it an editorial cartoon and not an illustration. I know in Europe, they, they hate labels. They just want the illustration. And I see a lot of these things and that's an illustration. That's not an editorial cartoon because you can't tell what the heck he's trying to say. It needs the semantic as well as the symbolic. And when you have the words on it, then you're combining both sides of the hemispheres of the brain. So I put plenty of labels on my things. And guess what? A hundred years from now, if I'm not memory hold, people will be able to figure out what my cartoons mean because I got labels. That's who this is. That's who that is. This is what's happening. You know, this is this represents this, you know, and I have the label there. So I'm not going to stop putting labels on my current. It's an old American tradition. And if you look up uh, any American cartoon during the golden age of newspapers, you'll see, uh, you'll see, you know, uh, a spate of labels. And so when I get it done, uh, usually it's late into the evening and then the hard part comes where I have to write a post. And sometimes I'm too tired to do it, but I do it anyway. And I just write whatever comes into my mind, just like I'm talking to you. I'll just have a stream of consciousness. And I'll write a post. Eventually, though, I'm going to I'm hoping if we ever get ahead and I can get some extra money, I'd sure love to hire a real writer, a, real, a really good, sharp writer to to write the post. I'll give them I'll give them the subject matter. And this is what I'm going to draw. Here's my chicken scratch. That's what I'm going to do. Could you write a post for us? That's that's my dream. So I don't have to be sitting there at midnight trying to, you know, figure out all my typos because I'm terrible with that. <laughs> And you said you you do your coloring uh, in Photoshop. Um, was yes. there a stage? Was there a stage when you didn't? When you did it by hand? Well, back in back when I was uh, doing editorial cartoons down in Texas, yeah. And Oliphant, matter of fact, resisted mightily. He didn't want color on his cartoons. He mm. thought that detracted from the rawness. And I can see why, because his. Uh, his brushstrokes were so poetic that it seems a travesty to gob color on top of them. But on the other hand, I realize I'm in the internet area and people want to see uh, see color. Like, uh, for a long time, I had to argue with my with my son. My son would not watch old black and black and white movies. Those are bad. I'm not. I want color. You know. I said, Well, wait a minute. You're just a totally wrong. Some of these black and white movies are ten times better than the movies they're making now. But the point is, people are so used to seeing color, and color does have a lot of uh, emotional, uh, you know, applications. So yeah, I'm going to keep doing them in color. Although sometimes I try to minimize them for a real serious cartoon, I'll, I'll uh, you know, I'll desaturate those colors a lot. But uh, sorry, I, I think I asked my question badly. Um, did oh, you ever? I mean, did you? Uh, did you ever use color like as in terms of like watercolor as opposed to Photoshop? I've done maybe one cart, one or two cartoons where I would draw the sketch, put down a watercolor base, and then ink over them, but. That ends up getting kind of laborious because I do, I try to, when I do a cartoon, I want to do them one day. I usually do them in one day. So when I do, when I do, a, if I do it at a watercolor, 
then you're talking about a couple days. You have to be really careful. And, you know, it's tough to white out over watercolor. I, yeah. If I make a mistake, and I don't, I don't make as nearly as mis many mistakes as I used to, but if I, you know, make a line that shouldn't be there, I get out my acrylic and I can white over it. But if you're doing a watercolor base, it's going to look pretty darn ugly. So I kind of, I think there's a, there's a Matt, I think Matt Worker, uh, Politico cartoonist does it that way. You know, he does the watercolor base and then inks over it. And that's fine. It's just not, it's just something that I want to be able to draw in a, in a, in a more, um, you know, I'm, I'm a newspaper man, so I believe in deadlines and I want to do something that's faster. I don't want to have something that's going to slow me down. If I'm going to do a watercolor, it's going to be fine art. Watercolor mm -hmm. or oil painting, that, then that's in the realm of fine art for me. Do you consider yourself uh, an artist or a cartoonist? First and fundamentally an artist. I'm a fine artist. That's my nature. That's what I always wanted to be. But a cartoonist uh, is, uh, it, you get a lot more, uh, you could get a lot more, a lot of fine artists were also cartoonists, a Daumier, for example. I mean, um, even Jacques-Louis David can draw, draw the card. Let me put it this way. Um, when I worked in the newspaper business, we all had a pretty healthy contempt for cartoonists. We thought cartoonists were the lowest rung of arts ladder because anybody can draw them. All, any competent artist, whatever their, 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 whatever their particular um, you know, subfield was, could draw a cartoon. Anybody can do them. They didn't carry a lot of uh, weight as far as a cart cartoons in a newspaper. We didn't want to see that anymore. That was something from the 50s. We wanted illustrations. We wanted infographics. We wanted really good photography. Uh, cartoons, no, that's that's something that, that's tacky. We didn't like cartoonists. I didn't like them either. That's why I stopped drawing. <laughs> but but the point, point I'm trying to make is we also considered, considered editorial cartoonists to be in a different realm. So yeah, we did respect the editorial cartoons, cartoonists. So if, if I was going to draw cartoons, it would be editorial cartoons. And um, I respected the ability to, of good editorial cartoonists to boil down complex ideas and, and make a strong, uh, very strong statement. And I worked with uh, alongside uh, David Horsey from the Seattle PI, and he was able to do that all the time. I never agreed with his cartoons, but I had to keep my mouth shut because it was a leftist paper. But he did have the ability to do that. So I want, I want to do that just from a conservative libertarian angle because it's a gap that's not being filled. There, there, there aren't any, uh, because let's face it, most of these young people who go to art school, they're somehow pre-indoctrinated into the leftist mindset yeah yeah i noticed that as well i also studied art and i saw the same thing so ben how did you develop your your ideological slash political views well they really got developed when uh, when i was an old man really <laughs> back in back in 2008 when my eyes got open but it was before that uh, really, when I left the Seattle PI and I got I got away from that politically correct, you know, virtue signaling environment, and I got my own business, and 
I, and I, I, hard as I would work, if I worked harder, harder and harder, it doesn't matter. All that money would go to the IRS. And so I started getting really mad at the IRS. I started looking into it and I, I started to think, well, I'm not a scofflaw. I'm going to pay my taxes. But then I realized the IRS is really something that's not necessary because why do you need somebody to collect taxes when you could just print up the money? And they do. The IRS is an inst has been instituted as a institute of fear. They want to keep the populace in fear. But not just that, they want to, excuse me, I'm getting worked up. <laughs> they also want to be able, the Fed wants to be able to take your money away as a means to uh, control inflation. And if you have less money to spend, that makes inflation go down. So that's what it's there for. And then when I realized that, I started, um, I started becoming more conservative. I was already kind of conservative already, but when I read uh, the, I read a, a seminal book by G. Edward Griffin called "The Creatures from uh, The Creature from uh, Jekyll Island." That really opened my eyes. Central bankers. Started, uh, yeah, and I realized what a mm -hmm. con game we've been living under this con game for almost a hundred years at that time and then and then of course i i started um i listened to videos i started going on youtube and watching videos from people such as aaron russo you know from freedom to fascism and then from there i was i, I once this is when i really started going down that rabbit hole and i started seeing and i started listening to alex jones too who i thought was crazy this man is crazy but then I realized when I researched some of the things he was saying, no, he's, this is right. He's right. He just, he's acting like a madman, but what he's saying is, is true. And then boy, that's when I said we, I need to do editorial cartoons that, that illustrate all this, this, uh, alternative point of view, not alt-right, but you know, conservatives, conservatives are now so relegated they don't call us conservatives anymore they don't even call us the right it's always far right or extreme right or alt right you know they want to make they're, they're trying to paint us as as this tinfoil hat wearing nut job so we could be easily smeared and our opinions easily dismissed but then i mean so what i mean haven't haven't we reached a point where it just doesn't matter okay fine I'm far right. Okay, now what? Well, that's that so what moment. I, it took me a long time to get there. And I can't believe back when the trolls were attacking me, I cannot believe I was so naive and so so uh, ca callow that I let it bother me. It doesn't bother mm -hmm. me at all now. And I don't care. If somebody changes my cartoon, you know, I don't like it, but I don't care. Ultimately, I, I, you know, hey, you know, that's beyond my control. I can't help this. People are just going to have to understand. But I can't believe I was so worried about what people thought of me. I, I was worried about my old friends that I had at the newspaper. Well, I better not draw this. It might make them bad. Boy, I'm. I can't believe I still clung to that for so long. That's all been jettisoned. It's gone. I, I'm. I don't care what people think. You know. And I, I'm going to say this a little bit lower. I don't even care what my wife thinks. She thinks I should draw this. No, 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 no. I'm not doing that. No, no. You know, I, I appreciate her opinions, but ultimately I'm going to do what I want to do. And so there's something about that that's really, I mean, that freedom, that feeling of freedom. How could you, how could you let that go just to, just, just so, um, 
you don't hurt other people's feelings. I mean, who cares about that? That's their problem. Their feelings are hurt. Let them deal with it. I don't care if your feelings are hurt. I don't, you know, people who write me all this hate mail and, and they, uh, they tell me that I, what they really love to tell me is that I don't have a stitch of talent. They tell me that I'm no good. You're no, you're not good enough for a high school newspaper. I just are you kidding me? I'm a professional artist. I've made my living as an artist since I graduated from college. I have to be I have to have some little tiny granule of talent to be able to make money at it, don't I? But no, they think they're hurting my feelings by telling me I have no talent at all. I just I, I read that and I just crack up. That's really funny. <laughs> then Ben, the strangest thing happened. The year 2020 arrived. And suddenly, the lives of 7 billion people changed dramatically. Was this a, a big turning point in, um, in your worldview in many ways, and of course, in your cartoons? No, it really wasn't, because I knew medical tyranny was coming. And I've been speaking out against that with, by means of my cartoons for almost since I started drawing them. And I could see this. I drew a cartoon back in 2000 and. Well, back in the early, uh, when I started, when I was first starting doing it early on, I did um, a broken vaccine, vaccine needle, and I had all these snakes coming out of it. And each snake was label, a different label, autism, and, you know, Jean Beret syndrome, and on and on, and cancer, and, uh, you know, formaldehyde, and mercury, and it just went on and on. That cartoon got me banned in Facebook many years later. But I've been speaking out against this. I could see this coming because I knew how corrupt it all was. Why was it corrupt? Because back in the Reagan administration, they decided that, hey, wait a minute, all these big pharma companies were going, they, they could go out of business. Why? Because they were getting sued. Why? Because their products were killing people, especially children. And so what happened was the, the big pharma lobbyists twisted the arm of Congress and they came out with a bill to say, well, you can't sue Big Pharma. You, can, you could go to a vaccine court that we're creating, a special vaccine court, and you have to present your case to the judge there, and it's a complicated, expensive thing. And if you win your case, the taxpayers pick up the tab. What did this do? I knew this early on. What, what does this do for Big Pharma? Well, it makes them irresponsible and unaccountable because they don't have to worry about getting sued. That's where we're at now. Nowadays, with their trials, they just they roll out a vaccine after having uh, tested it on a half a dozen mice. You know, let alone, forget about testing them on pregnant women or you know ten, the ten years it takes to really find out if it harms human beings or not. They don't care. They do not care. They just care about raking in billions and billions and billions of dollars, which they did during the COVID, the whole COVID farce, which was a setup from the very beginning. And I knew it, and my cartoon said that. The first one I did was the Hegelian dialectic showing the problem, the solution, you know, and, and that's what they do. They, they create the problems, they tell you what the solution's gonna be, and then they take away your freedom where you don't have any choice but to accept what their solution is. And that's what happened. You know, they had this steady drumbeat of fear, which I showed with the virus to increase the fear. And then you have the, you know, them all scrambling for their solutions, their masks, their lockdowns, their vaccines that turned out to be anything but safe and effective. And what are you left with? Well, 
obviously what they were left with was a tyranny where you have to have a vaccine passport to travel. There goes your Fourth Amendment. You have to have uh, your, your shot to be able to, to have a job. That's hardcore tyranny and crushing. They used it to just as a test, really, to crush individual rights. And fortunately, it also woke up a lot of people. A lot of people are now not taking any of these boosters. They're seeing people dropping dead. I tried to warn them. I tried to warn them with my cartoons from the get-go. <clears throat> and I even drew an anti-Trump cartoon. I showed Trump on the bandwagon of Big Pharma pushing vaccines, which is what he did. And he was getting loudly booed by the crowd. And I'm trying to, I was in my, in my post, I tried to beg President Trump, please tell people you were wrong. You were wrong to rush out this vaccine. Mm. You were wrong to tell people it's safe and effective. You're just as wrong as Fauci and Bill Gates. Will he apologize? Probably not no. because he's got such a big ego, but he, that's the whole point. He wanted to be a yeah, big hero that he doubled saved down. everybody. Yes, and fortunately, he, got, he ended up being part of the problem. I hope he doesn't ever push vaccines again. He got this COVID narrative absolutely wrong. He did, he did. He certainly did. And he still has the opportunity to make things right a little bit. I mean, the damage has been done, but he's not doing it. He is becoming, he has become very reticent about it, which is better than nothing. But if he's going to run again, then he has to, he has to come out and say, we have to make sure this doesn't happen again. Why are U.S. taxpayers giving money to Anthony Fauci and Anthony Fauci giving that money to fund the, the, the Chi-Com Party's bioweapons lab in China so they could create something such as that. Uh, Anthony Fauci should be hung, hung from a lamppost. Why aren't anybody talking? Nobody talks about that. And they covered that up for the longest while. So why are we funding our, our enemies bioweapons labs so they could kill us? What in your mind, Ben, is the big picture? I mean, if there were a puzzle now in front of you and and you know you've you've got a whole bunch of pieces together i mean i think a lot of people have been trying to figure out this puzzle in the last couple of years well it's not a pretty pretty puzzle i'll tell you that and it's horrific it's a horrific ending it's the end of western civilization as we knew it you know uh, that started with the renaissance we're going back into more um, kind of a medieval dark ages with all the people are going to be poor. We're going to be serfs. We have to pay homage to our lords, a handful of trillionaires who run the planet. And they're going to tell us where we could live, what we could do, what we can think, what we could eat. What You know, they're going to, they're going to have us totally controlled at a granular level. And they're going to wipe out a great portion of the world's population. It's going to be, uh, that's their goal, is to depopulate and centralize everybody into cities and they want to turn Earth into this utopian paradise, not for us, but for themselves. They want to keep just, as George Carlin said, just keep just enough workers around to push the levers and, and, and serve them and make them comfortable. That's where we're heading. Because these people, they're, they're insane with power. Who is they them? they never get enough money. Who is them? Well, you've got a handful of families at the top. And if you mention them, you're anti-Semitic. Ah, I'm well, talking you, about Rothschild, talking Rockefeller. About Rothschild. Now, they'll say the Rothschild, oh, no, 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 they're poor now. They don't have any bullshit. Everything is, is been covered up with trusts and secret hidden this. They may not 
The richest they family ever. They own it, but they control it. And they're tr- I, I think they're multi-trillionaires. Forget mm. being billion. Oh, no, no. Rothschilds, he's only a billionaire now. He's not. Yeah, then you got the Lazards. And yeah, I can name a bunch of them. But, you know, if you start doing that, you get, boy, you get, you get called all kinds of foul names then because then you're going to the source of it. And, and it's really maybe about – it's getting less and less now. It's getting to be about, you know, maybe a dozen families, maybe less than that. And then you've got people such as the Queen of England, the late Queen of England, who has – they've controlled vast amounts of land and wealth. You know, the Queen of England could have easily solved world hunger if she wanted to. Why didn't she? Because, no, that's not what they're doing. They want to destroy populations, not enable them to grow. So – in essence, we've got this hardcore tyranny. It's going to go back to the dark ages. We're now going back into the dark ages, literally now that we're abandoning fossil fuels, because I tell you one thing, you know, we're going to have electricity cut off. You can't use You can't use uh, internal combustion engines. Uh, we're going to have candles again. And, you know, that's great. They don't want us. They don't want us burning anything, really. Uh, this whole business of climate change is it's all a bunch of bunk because they leave out the most important factor and that's the sun. They want to blame everything on a human being. So human beings get, get uh, turned into uh, this cancer that has to be eradicated. So, you, you know, and, and too many people are going to go ahead and, and step into that disintegration chamber voluntarily. And eat bugs. Because they're so brainwashed. They're going to do it voluntarily. They already are by taking these darn shots. They should know, hey, you know what? What about all the blood clots? What about myocarditis? You know, what about all these mm. these strokes and uh, you know Bell's palsy? Isn't this a sign? No, no, that's a sign that it's working. <laughs> uh, it, it it actually is bonkers, isn't it? The 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 amount of denial, hey, from the establishment, and it's deliberate. Yeah, and and if if uh, people are dropping dead on the playing field, uh, a lot of athletes are dropping dead. Mm. They they blame climate change. Climate change is a big bugaboo for everything. Everything gets blamed. On, uh, Biden just came out and blamed a hurricane Ian. Oh, this is this proves it beyond a shadow of a doubt. This is climate change. Well, what happened back in the eighteen hundreds? There was a big there's a big hurricane in Galveston. I think there's only about seven thousand automobiles back in the country back when that hit. And that killed that killed many thousands of people. That was pretty devastating. Where was the global warming then? We've always had hurricanes. We've always had weather events. It's it's called weather, not climate change. I mean, the climate does change: winter, spring, summer, fall. But they're using that as a means to create this overarching fear to give them a reason to take away everything that makes you a human being and turn you into into this uh, kind of this automaton that uh, needs to be uh, disintegrated. <laughs> Censorship has become part and parcel now of the West. Yeah, and that's going to that's gonna grow worse. It, they, they want to, uh, they want to control the, the, your, your freedom of thought. Um, that's what they keep talking about this transhumanist nonsense. They want people to get chipped, put a little chip in their brain. This is where Elon Musk comes back in. And it's very sinister that they can all of a sudden program this. And it's sort of, you know, uh, Huxley Soma. So they could calm you down and numb you out with these chips. Or they want you to, uh, you know, they want to stamp out all 
Christianity, for example, or any any that they're doing that in China right now. They just arrest, arrested one and a half million people, Christians and Falun Gong and people who just simply protested mm -hmm. to the government. They get arrested. That's what they want here. They want a Chinese style government here where you have this um, this unelected uh, so-called elite. They call themselves the elite, but they're really just they're, they're monsters and they want to. Uh, control everything, including what people are able to say and think by means of the mainstream media, uh, the corporate media, which has already been in, been controlled by the CIA for a long time, because they all say the same things. And if you mm -hmm. think about it, six, I think there are six billionaires, mega billionaires who control all the media, really all the mainstream media is controlled by a handful of people, and they all say the same stuff. And so eventually it's what's going to happen is they're going to go after people like, well, like you and me, we're going to have to be silenced and shut down. And it's just going to be a methodical process unless we really raise some holy hell and get maybe more people awake. Right now, I guesstimate maybe 10% of people are awake. If we get that up to 15, we might reach critical mass. Who knows? Maybe that'll be enough to really start something. Donna, uh, who's watching right now, is in the United States. And she says, yeah that she had never heard of you. She finds it very embarrassing uh, that she happens to live in the same country. Now she knows of you and she says that uh, she identifies with you and she started out as conservative in the 1980s. Well, well she must be about my age then. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you see, you know, so, so the message can spread. Yeah, a lot of people have this misnomer of me because if you look on my Wikipedia page, I'm a nut job. And so people, okay, I don't have to pay attention to Ben Garrison if I ever hear that name again. I just, you know, I put that in the discard pile. But when people really know that I care about America, you know, and the government is not the country. I'm talking about America. We have inalienable rights. We have natural rights to be human beings. We don't have to, we don't get these rights granted to us from some tyrant in government. And the government is, I compared it, I once compared it to the blob. The government just keeps growing and consuming. It doesn't really produce anything other than tyranny. And it, all it does is grow and consume by taking away from you. It takes away your money. It takes away your health. It takes away your, uh, your, your freedom, your freedom of speech, your freedom to, to, to they want to really want to take away our guns. Mm -hmm. That's one of their biggest priorities, which uh, causes, I'm afraid it causes a lot of false flags. A lot of this, these mass shootings are MK ultra and most flags oriented. And it goes, to, it goes they, to the CIA and FBI who are arranging it. And I can't and, say that I might get sued. I'm already pretty much familiar by they've done their best though, to shut everybody up where you can't, well, what about this? And what about this? And what about this hard evidence here? And this, no, you can't question it. Those poor kids. Well, you know what? I don't, think that that's what happened as bad as that sounds it makes me sound like i'm i'm some sort of you know a, a person without a, a shred of conscience but you got to call them as you see them i was friends with a um, with a with a woman i went to college with her and she got a job at, at uh, a newspaper in dallas but eventually she, i helped her get a job at the seattle post intelligencer and i worked with her for about 10 years Really nice person, very creative, very talented. But when she found out that we were Trump supporters, um, 
she unfriended us on Facebook and just dumped us. And I looked on her blog, says, I don't care if you're friends. I don't care how long I've been friends with you. I don't care if you're friends or family. If you support Trump, then I want nothing to do with you. And I couldn't care less about you. Well, okay. And I was shocked because this person has a lot of sensibilities. I like, I still like her. What is this deal? We can't be friends because we have opposing points of view. No, we can't. That is the mindset of the brainwashed mm. left. And I looked at her blog and she swallows the Kool-Aid. She swallowed it, you know, so deeply. She bit the hook, line, sinker, and the rod and the reel, everything. And she, whatever mainstream media says is, is something that's good. I mean, what's wrong with being woke? What's wrong with teaching wokeism in school? What are you conservatives afraid of? Well, you can't you cannot have any kind of political discussion with people such as that there's no chance of reaching them at mm -hmm. all and unfortunately um her husband who was the uh, art director of the seattle times um, just retired and just dropped out of a heart attack probably because he was fully vaxxed i don't know i probably shouldn't even say that but you know what this guy was very talented too and i like him but he was the same way you you know, I had, we had dinner at their house, for heaven's sakes, we were their friends for so many years. Nope, nope. It's crazy. That's, that's what happened. So. <laughs> I'm sorry. I get carried away. I get all my rants, you know, and I just don't shut up. I, I'm, bad, I'm, I'm in the boonies of Montana, and I don't get out much. You know, I, I don't have any friends anymore. I don't. I don't. I don't have any <laughs> friends. I don't, I don't have anybody to go out with and have a beer. I, I just stay here, and I just... I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I get really carried away. I'm like, like see, I have a type A personality. You know, this is why I, I got to watch this. because I... PJ, who's watching from Johannesburg, he says the family wealth of the Rothschilds is estimated to be over $500 trillion. Well, they like to bring up the fact that one of the Rothschild had his wealth seized by um, um, Hitler, uh, some Australian Rothschilds. But uh, I think that was small potatoes. You know, this fortune has been snowballing for for uh, centuries, and you don't think they they they've continued to amass wealth? Well, a lot of people think that uh, you know uh, Musk or Bezos or Bill Gates are the richest. No, 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 they're not even close. You think the richest people in the world are going to let you know how much? wealth and assets they have and put it publish it in a magazine no no they own the magazine yeah. that's not going to happen and in south africa we know about uh, you guys know about cecil rose and what he pulled for the rothschilds and how mm. that 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 his job was to strengthen the the bank of england as much as he could by stealing wealth out of south africa and he was also a notorious pedophile from what i read so this has been going on a long time uh if you if you look at see who owns the Federal Reserve, you see all the big banks, the Goldman Sachs, the J.P. Morgan, the Bank of America, uh, Wells Fargo. Mm. Um, but who owns the banks? Well, you're not allowed to know. It's a secret. Why can't you know it? You're not allowed. Mm. So you can only guess. And okay, so I'm guessing. I'm guessing. But these but there there are some string pullers at the very top, and. We know they don't have our best interest at heart. They have their own. They they operate from their own satanic perspective, and their perspective right now. There's too many human beings on the world. In the world, we have to get rid of them. They're taking too much of our planet. They own the planet. It's theirs, not ours. We have no right to be here. We need to disappear. We need to be dead. And that's what they're working on now. 
I get mad and I start raving and I'm okay. I'm mm-hmm. just sort of, I wish I could do this really calm, you know, NPR voice thing. I, I just never been able to do it. David Ike is quite calm. Alex, Alex isn't. No, Alex isn't. Alex isn't. And I, um, I, I met him once down in Austin and, uh, I have to say that this guy, they say that he's an actor. Yes, he is. He's got tremendous acting skills. He's got tremendous sales skills. He's amassed a lot of money. But at the heart of it, he is he is really who he who he is. He, you know, he's not he's not pretending. He believes what he believes, what he's saying. It helps that he's an actor because he makes his what his what he's trying to say more memorable. He's able to deliver it with the, with this emotional impact that people remember. That's why he has such a large audience. And then he has the salesman ability to be able to sell his product to help him uh, hire reporters and have a how oh, that studio he had was really nice, first rate studio. I was really impressed. So I'm happy for him that he he's become a big success and he's a multimillionaire. Good on him. And, you know, if, if he could do that and to keep delivering that message, that's great. So it's a there's a lot of still a lot of room for people, though, such as such as me, people who have talent and want to try to do something. You just have to beat down the resistance and the resistance is everywhere. When you first start out, there's going to be a lot of your friends and your family aren't going to want you to do it. But you got to do it anyway. If you really want to become uh, an influencer, you're going to have to do it and you forget about what people say. You might get fired from your job. You have to think about ways of getting money without that job. Uh, eventually, when you say no, we're going to have to do this anyway, because otherwise you're going to have mandatory vaccines. Are we going to we're going to have to say no to that? Well, you lose your job then. Well, I'm losing my job. Well, we're going to pull the plug on your internet if you don't take the shot. Well, goodbye. Eventually, we're going to have to come to a point where we're going to st- have to stand up and forget about what people think of us, and we're going to have to help get the message out. Everybody can do something, you know. Even if it's just a flyer stapled to a telephone pole, I don't care. Everybody has talent. Everybody can do something. I happen to be an artist, so I applied my talent to what I'm doing. But uh, everybody, if there's plenty of, I'm just saying there's plenty of room here and on the conservative side, people who want to protect our, our culture and institutions. Ben, what wouldn't you draw? What won't you go near? People keep wanting me to draw Muhammad, and I haven't yes, drawn him because I, understand I don't that. really. I don't really see a reason to it. It's not that I wouldn't draw him. Um, I believe in freedom of speech. I, I just don't have any real. I, I don't feel compelled to do it. That's all, especially doing it in a, in a, a very pejorative manner. You know, because I'm really not anti-Muslim. People think I'm anti-Muslim because I I was anti, uh, I was anti-Sharia law. People coming into America and trying to change our law from a constitutional-based um, law into Sharia law. I, I didn't want that. I don't want us to become Saudi Arabia or Afghanistan. People misunderstood that and think I'm anti. I, I believe in freedom of religion. If you're Muslim, hey, that's great. As long as you're, if you uh, want to adhere to our laws and don't kill people and chop people's heads off in the street like they did to uh, poor Vincent Van Gogh's grandson. Uh, 
but uh, as far as doing a Charlie Hebdo type stuff, I just I don't have a lot of interest in doing religious stuff to begin with. I, I want to help. I want to help protect Christians because they're so under attack that I want to help them. You know, I'm a Christian myself, but I don't go to church and I don't but I don't beat on any Bibles or anything such as that. But I want to preserve what uh, uh, what we had, just like uh, Vladimir Putin wants to protect Christianity in the Soviet Union. Now, who'd have thunk that after all those years of Stalin, that he's actually protecting the, uh, you know, the uh, the Eastern, uh, I guess is the Eastern Roman Catholic Church there. So no, uh, that's what I wouldn't draw. I don't have any desire to draw it for some reason. That might change down the road. I'm not going to draw things that are attacking other people's religion. I just don't have a much uh, desire to do that. So, Ben, in front of you, there is a crystal ball. What do you see? Well, I see, um, I have a crystal ball, by the way. I couldn't get it to work. So I guess my crystal ball is broken. I, uh, I've already foreseen a lot of things, and unless things are getting better, they're, they're going to get worse. So I, I really see a spinning top. And that spinning top is winding down, and it's wobbling, and it's going to crash. So I think we're going to see some great crash event coming up. And I hope it's not nuclear war, because we have some insane people pushing Russia into it. And, of course, all these insane people are going to be safe in their luxurious bunkers while billions of other people are going to die. So I hope that that doesn't happen. That's always in the back of the mind. I hope reason and, and logic and sanity prevail. But at the worst, we're going to see a continuance of these the, this proxy war in Ukraine. It's going to get worse. The economy is going to get worse. The economy cannot get better. They cannot keep this debt dollar system going forever. It seems like they can. It seems like I did a cartoon where they kicked the can down the road and the, the road ran out. And so Biden is is telling is mad at uh, uh, Chairman Powell. He said, "Why don't you kick that can?" He said, "Well, we got to print some more road first. They got to print more road before they can." But this can't go on forever. So I'm seeing the institutions are increasingly becoming unstable. We see the FBI is corrupt to the marrow. We see how corrupt Congress is, and this these are institutions around the world. And you're seeing some last. The people are starting to wake up a little. They wake up in Italy and, and voted in somebody who wants to restore family and or religion and national identity. I hope that trend continues. But at the counter trend, it's this nihilistic destruction that we're seeing. And nothing is worse than that represents this more than the sexual mutilation of little kids because a little kid can be convinced into being anything. And so they're, they're now... Uh, the eight, here in America, the ADA has given, given its blessing to uh, sexually mutilating little children, and I can't believe that. That's how evil things have gotten, and it's going to get worse. I'm sad, sorry to say my crystal ball is turning black. Where can I follow your work? The website is gurgraphics.com, and that's G-R-R-R, three R's, G-R-R-R, graphics.com. And if anybody wants to support us, we have a store link there. And you could buy prints or just make a donation or buy an original. Um, you know, that's how we that's how we uh, able to uh, keep drawing the cartoons. Now, 
the Gur dog, we got a mascot called a Gur dog. And it's a bulldog with a pencil in his mouth. And that came about because I saw that regular journalists work during their job. They're supposed to be the watchdog. Instead, they became lap dogs. So I'm a real journalist in a sense that I'm mad. I got a mad bulldog as my, as our, that's our logo mascot. <laughs> that's how Gur graphics started. It's a growling bulldog. <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> ben Garrison, thank you for joining me in the trenches. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. And thanks for uh, putting up with my my uh, my ranting. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit supportgerm.com.